of course, we're all built on a story. We all have a story. We all have a journey, a history. And um, our history and our story shapes us and moulds us. And then often we have to unmould ourselves from that story. Um, so I asked, I asked Anka today to share a little bit about her journey. How did a Romanian uh, girl end up in Shipley, um, Israeli? And what has she learned along the way? So she's going to share a little bit about her journey. And she's going to share some of the things that she's learned and come to value along the way. I think is the plan. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Go for it. Um, okay, so. Good PowerPoint. Um, yeah, so Adam asked me to share a little bit about me and who I am. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I started writing some things. And I was like, Adam, it could go on for a long time. So after that, we, we, it's a little bit of intro on who I am, I am and where I come from. And then a little bit of a few lessons that I've learned. So I am Anka Scott, for you that don't know me. I'm 27 years old, previously known as Anka Stan. But I was born on the 28th of November, 1990, to a big town in Romania. So the next slide just shows that's Ploiesti. That's where I was born, far, far away from where the journey will take me. But um, I am from a family of nine, seven of us, plus my two parents. Um, I am the number three child and the oldest daughter in my family. Um, when we were seven, we moved, I didn't put it on that, we moved to Mangala, which is by the seaside. Um, and then when I was eight, I met Mr. Phil Moon. Um, Phil Moon is the headmaster at Braff Christian School, and he came to Romania with a team of students from BCS. Um, and after that, he came, he, they kind of came back every summer to Romania. And uh, I was just one of the kids in kids' club. Now, Phil has a very embarrassing picture of me at eight with no teeth. And um, Phil used to enjoy showing this picture a lot. So I kind of told him that he's allowed to use it once a year. Because it was like, oh, look at Anka. This is Anka. And she looks very embarrassing. So <laughs> he enjoyed a bit more than I did. But I'll show you some other embarrassing pictures in a minute. So I met Phil. And they were doing kids' clubs every summer. They would come. Um, when I was around 14, my English, thankfully, got a little bit better. Um, and I started translating for them. And I, I just kind of I would see them once a year. And then I would go back to my life in Romania for the whole rest of the year. Um, I went to high school for four years, where I kind of drifted off a little bit in and out of church. I was a bit caught between my friends at church, friends at school. I enjoyed going to church, but mainly to see people, not really for the main reason. Um, I kind of struggled to see how God was really working in my life. And um, at 17, my parents divorced. And there was a little bit of a hard time for me. Like, I was like, okay, that's it. I'm done with church. I'm done with God. You know, I prayed for my parents not to divorce. My siblings prayed for my parents not to divorce, and it still happened. So obviously there's no God, or at least he's not listening to this part of my life. So it was a little bit hard. I was like, you know what, I'm, I don't really need this church thing. Um, but then that didn't really last for a, for a very long time, because I really, I didn't realize until I left church how much I enjoyed praying and how much I enjoyed having someone up there, well, up there, wherever he is, or, you know, inside of me. But I enjoyed someone um, being praying and listening to somebody, and somebody listening to me, even though I, I wasn't sure if he's listening to me. But 
I kind of came back to church and I was like, okay, I need to do this either properly or like not do it. So when I came back, I kind of dedicated properly. At 18, I got baptized. Okay, before we kind of move on, we can, I can show you some funny, embarrassing pictures because I thought, yes. go for it. So that's me number two there. Well, that's Ida. Some of you may know Ida. She's super cute and curly. My other siblings, that's me. This is... I think it's like 1992, 1993. Oh, 93, because Ida's born. So not all of us are still here. There's still some to be born. Keep going. That's me, around five. Going, <laughs> I'm out. Keep going. This is us at a birthday party. This is all of us, apart from Claudia. Claudia was born in 2002, so much later on. So this is us, my parents. Um, again, super, like, look at those coats my parents are wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Great, right? <laughs> my mom was like, it was very cold, okay? <laughs> this is me and my dad, 1992. And then the last, oh, this is me and Ida. Some of you know Ida, so I'll put a, a picture of me and Ida there. This is, I think I was 14 and Ida was 12. So there you go. Some funny pictures of baby me. Well, not really baby. Yeah, so we can kind of. Yeah, so I got baptized. Um, I was finishing high school. In Romania, you go to high school from 14 to 18, and then you go to university. Um, and it kind of got to, to the summer. Like, I was going to start my exams, and I just did not really know what I wanted to do, basically. And my parents had kind of had it all planned out for me. Go to university, start my life, um, go and study accounting and managing, start working for my dad's firm. Later on, when he's getting older, I can take over and work there forever in an office. And I remember thinking, even now when I thought, it wasn't a bad plan. It wasn't a horrible plan. You know, my parents loved me so much and loved me so much. They actually, you know, wanted the best for me. But I was just like, I felt so trapped. And I was like, I need to kind of tell them that this is not what I want. But until now, my older two brothers, they did exactly what my parents did, went to the university. And I was like, I can't be the rebel one. Um, <laughs> And plus, I'm like, if I go to them and tell them I don't want to do this, I'll have to tell them what I want to do, which is, I have no idea. So, ooh, it all kind of started. I was like, oh, no. So then I came to England once here on a visit in February 2009, and I met with Phil. And I kind of told him a little bit. I explained to him. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm supposed to finish high school. I don't really know what, I, what I'm going to do. I was like, my dad wants to send me to uni. Basically, save me. But I didn't know what to So Phil was like, oh, let's, why don't we have a gap year here for you? You can um, you know, do a bit of voluntary school. The church that I go to, CLC, uh, you can do some voluntary there. You can do some work. And I was like, OK, OK. It's, it's a, a short term, but I can at least you know, gap year. At least like, if I go back to uni and I have to do all that was planned for me, I had this year. That, so I went convinced my parents. My parents were like, oh, yeah, good idea, you know. Go and travel a little bit to Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many times people are like, you came to Bradford. But here I am. So I was like, OK. So I convinced my parents to let me come here, which was great. And um, the summer before I came here, Phil convinced Adam to together come to Romania to meet my parents and kind of like, you know, make up a plan, which was great because I met Adam for the first time and then Phil came over and um, 
we had this plan of me living here for nine months, um, doing a bit of youth, doing a bit of a BCS, and then, you know, go back just in time to enroll to university. Um, anyway, my, I, spoiler, my gap year kind of turned into, you know, in September, there'll be nine years since I've been here. So, um, my parents, especially my mom, bless her, she goes, how's the gap year going, love? <laughs> when are you coming back home? Uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, you got... It got, again, delayed. <laughs> no. But my parents are very grateful, as I'll explain. So when I first arrived in England and CLC and BCS, I, um, I was a very young girl in lots of ways. I didn't grow taller, but I have grown up much. But I had literally no idea what life was actually about. Not that I have much more idea now, but... You know, I was scared, I was confused, I was all alone, or so I thought. Um, in terms of alone, in terms of my family, I was alone, because I was 18 when I first came here, and I never went away from my parents for more than a week. I never went away from home for more than a week. And then, here I was, uh, 1,800 miles away from home, agreeing to live here for nine months. Sometimes I think, how, how did I say yes to this? Um, you know, I lived in a house with people that I didn't really know before. I, I was uh, kind of alone, but so you, you can tell, you can imagine it was a bit scary. Um, to be completely honest, I thought I'd give it a go, but probably I'll be gone by the end of the month. Um, and then, interestingly, so did my dad, as he told me years later. He was like, oh, I thought, I thought you'd be gone. I thought, you know, you wouldn't finish your gap year. I thought you'd become home quickly. Um, but everything was different here. Everything was new. I now had to speak English all the time. You know, I could speak English pretty well before I came here. But now I had to speak English all the time with people that their first language was English. Uh, and there was not one person inside that spoke Romanian. Um, and then my mind was so tired. I remember in the first few months here, I was tired all the time because I was thinking of things in Romanian, then translating them, then maybe saying them out loud a little bit to make sure they sound grammatically correct, and then saying them out loud, and then someone correcting me, telling me that I've said it wrong. <laughs> oh. But years later, I still say things wrong. <laughs> But anyway, so my first few months was a little bit of a, like a whirlwind of stuff. But I remember my first impression of CLC. It was a bit of a mixed one, and I love it now, so I can say this. Because I came from a very tiny, small, Baptist, conservative church. Um, and then I came here to a big church, or I thought it was a big church. And I remember the first kind of Sunday, the music was so loud. We only had books and like, you know a piano on the back. And then I remember all the flags were like everywhere and I'm like, no way. I remember, <laughs> I remember calling my mom, mom was like, oh, just come home, darling. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I know. But, so you might think, well, why are you still here then, if that's what you thought. But I remember listening to Adam and Paul when I first started and I remember the, hearing them teach. and. I just remember thinking, there's something different about them. There is something really, I can't really put my finger on it, but something different about them. They, 
I don't know how to explain it, but something about them is different. And as I got to know them, I realized that everything they said and everything they taught was their life as well. It wasn't just really good preachers, but it was their life. Everything they've been through, everything they walked, you know, it was practice what you preach a little bit. So that really caught my heart because I've only been on one church before, which was completely different. And I'm like, okay, these people are not just saying to do these things. They've also done them. So obviously something is working. So yeah, so this is a bit of a background. I'm going to now go into just a couple of lessons that I've learned. So at the end of the nine months, um, how did I end up staying longer? Well, it was coming towards the end of the summer. My time in England was coming to an end. Um, and by this point, I met Matthew, my husband, and we were going out at this point. And I still like, I remember thinking, I really don't want to go back. I know what's happened. That's waiting for me back. It's going to wait for me a plan that's all planned for me and organized for me. And um, you might think now, Anka, you're very organized. You must have loved that. But at that point, I just did not. I was like, I need to. I still didn't really know what I wanted. But so. Um, I had to kind of, again, go back to my parents and be like, by the way, after you have said that if I have a gap year, your plan will be restored, I don't really want to come back home, and I want you to carry on funding my gap year. <laughs> so this was my first kind of big life crisis. I remember I sat down with my brother, and I was like, plan, you go and tell them, and then tell me how it goes. <laughs> my brother was like, no. I was like, OK, second plan. I write you a letter, and you read it to my parents. He was not having any of it. Anyway, so I went home, and I kind of, so my plan was I was going to find a course here. The, the nine months that I spent at BCS, I was like, I love working with kids. I love being here. Uh, I kind of always knew I was a big bossy, so I was like, oh, being a teacher, this is great. The <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> but I was like, it was a career. Was a career. It's not really a career. It's some, a calling that I never really thought I'd have. Like teacher, I, I enjoyed things like being with kids at home. I used to do lots of kids clubs, but I was like, I didn't really think that this could be. So um, I remember thinking, I was like, I need to do something. Like I need, I want to stay behind. So um, I went to Bradford College and I applied for a. I think it was a, an early foundation degree, early years foundation degree. Because I remember talking to different people, and they were like, OK, but what do you want to do? And I was like, but I don't know. Can somebody tell me what I'm supposed to do? So I remember someone said, just take it like very, what do you want to do? What do you not want to do? And I was like, OK, I don't want to go to uni full time. I don't feel, ironically as it is, because I'm a math teacher, I'm not very academical. I didn't really enjoy writing essays, especially in the second language. I was like, I can't do that full time. Okay, what else do I not want to do? I don't want to go back to Romania, not for now. Okay, what do I enjoy? I enjoy working with kids. I enjoy working with the youth. I, so I kind of made a little bit of things I want, things I don't want. And I was like, okay, this is my first step. Let's go from here. So when I looked at the things that I want, I was like, okay, I still want to carry on working at BCS because the environment was lovely. The kids were lovely. It developed me as a teacher. I still wanted to carry on doing all the youth and kids projects I was doing with here. So we went and found a course at Bradford College. Uh, Matthew helped me to find that course. Um, so then I had to uh, tell my family that instead of getting 
a return ticket, I also went and applied for a course that starts in September. So it was great because I was like, I have to do this. If I want to carry on being here, I have to do this. I could get my brother to do it for me. I could, you know, I, my plan and my other plan was to email them or to call them before I arrived in Romania. I was like, no, I have to stand up for what I want because otherwise I'll go back home and I'll be upset or I'll be sad or I'll be like, oh, I wish something would have happened. But whatever could have happened was on me. I could have done it. So I went to my parents and I told them. And um, thankfully, they were amazing about it. And they were like, okay, we want to help you. We want to support you. We're very proud of you that you're standing up for what you want. It's not what we would do. You know, my father is not a Christian. And he always struggled a little bit to understand my pull towards church. And not just on a Sunday, but like as a lifestyle. Um, but this is what made him see something different. The way that I lived and the way that I was changing, he couldn't deny what he saw. He is, my father is very, a different person now. Uh, he isn't what he would call, he isn't what we would call a Christian, but he's changed. And he knows that God is there and he is for me and he is the one that now encourages me to trust God and not worry because he has it all. Which, you guys don't know my dad, but I know my dad. This is the person that would be like, I would always say to him, God, dad is fine, God has a plan, I'm praying for you. Every time he would talk to me, he'd be like, pray for me. To what? To thin air? And things like that. And I'm like, and now my father is like, okay. I call him sometimes, and he's like, don't worry about it. He's got it all. I'm like, who's he, dad? <laughs> you know him, God. He's your friend. <laughs> and it's amazing. And I, I want to believe that some of it is because of me. And I don't want to be, I want to be boastful, but I want to be boastful in what God has done in my life. And the way I lived, it helped him see something different. Um, you know, my, my dad doesn't know any of you here in this house, but he often says to me, how great is it to have people around you that love you and accept you no matter what? They want the best for you. And I'm like, he doesn't know anybody, but he sees the effect that this church and this family had on me, and that kind of had a bit of a ripple effect around me. Um, you know, I never thought I'd hear these words from him, but my life had a bit, had a ripple effect to him, and um, he saw something, and I'm very grateful. So... That was the part. I ended up staying in England. My course was about two, three years. I was like, okay, this was great. My dad was going to fund it, which was great. All nice and happy, right? <laughs> Not. Because life is life, and things happen all the time. Um, so my course was a three-year course, and my second year, at a so I had to do a day at the college, and four days I was doing my placement at BCS. Um, and I think in my second year, BCS amazingly wanted to pay me and honor me for what I was doing, which was amazing. I never thought I was like, oh, I'm just doing my placement. Um, I was like, yes, I'm getting paid. So I went to my, my parents, and I was like, okay, um, I don't really need as much help because I'm going to start earning. This was great for me. I never earned in my life about in this point. Um, so a month, I work a month at work, and then uh, the office goes, oh, so uh, can we have your national insurance number? I was like, what? What's that? And they're like, don't you have that in Romania? I was like, no. I don't know what that is. So I was like, okay, I'll just call. So I, I kind of looked into it, and um, 
After looking into it, you had to call Job Center to get a national insurance number, and once you get a national insurance number, you can get paid. I was like, nice. Um, uh, one step to being British. No. <laughs> so I called them, and they were like, oh, do you have, um, what did I say? Oh, I called, and I said, can I have a national insurance number? And they were like, yeah, where are you from, Romania? Oh, yeah, well, Romania is in the EU, but it's not really in the EU. I was like, what do you mean? Well, you see, Romania and, and another country, Bulgaria, thing, they joined EU so, so recent that they don't have all the things still applied to them, so they, you can't work here. And, um, yeah, you can be here, but don't, don't earn any money unless you get this yellow card. And I was like, okay, can I have one? And they were like, no. <laughs> so we looked into it. Basically, a yellow card was a, kind of like a work permit until Romania became fully in the EU. And I was like, okay. So we applied for it. I request an application. 45 pages later of an application form, I sent it off. And I was like, okay, it will be on its way. I'm not telling my parents yet. I have learned a lot. I was like, I'm not telling my parents yet because I'm not, there's no point of worrying them, you know. I'll be fine for a couple of months until this national insurance comes. I also have to send my passport with it. Um, you can see where this is going. It was not going to be a couple of months. So this was after, so I told my parents that I don't need much money from them. At this point, my parents already had two other of my siblings at university and, you know, supporting them. And I was like, I can't go back and ask for some more from them. They were already amazing. My parents have been. I was a bit ashamed to go back to them as well, actually. So I sent off my application and, oh, it was coming to Christmas. And I was like, oh, I want my passport back so I can go home for Christmas. So you could go online and check where your application was in the queue. And my application was up to 13 to 15 months in the queue. So that year I couldn't go home because I had no passport, which was not great. I was like, I want to go home for Christmas, but I couldn't go home for Christmas because I had no passport. I also was not getting paid because legally I was not allowed to get paid, but I wanted to carry on working at, at school because I'm like, I want to be there. It doesn't, it's not really about the money. I was like, I want to be there anyway, and it's part of my placement. So in the same time, I was like, I kind of have, to, this is the time where I probably have to tell my parents that I'm not getting paid anymore, and they have to help me out again. So, um, and I remember in this time, there were a lot of people around me praying for me, being amazing, like, don't worry, everything will be fine, you know, you'll come out stronger. And I remember just thinking, I don't want to come out stronger. I just want to go and have a job and get paid like everybody else. And then people will be like, oh, he'll make a way. And I'm like, can he make a way with just, you know, give me my pay? Because... Now, obviously, it's like, oh, but in the moment, I just remember thinking, this is not what I signed up for. I could easily go back home, have a room that I don't have to pay rent for, um, probably get a job, and nobody would ask me, where's my national insurance number? Um, nobody would care if, that I'm from Romania, because the rest of them are from Romania as well. <laughs> and so those are the challenges I had a lot. And I also had to trust God that he's going to provide for me. Now, this was my first kind of time with... Uh, uh, trusting God to provide for me because it wasn't just that I, I needed money. I needed money to pay rent and bills and, you know, eat. So um, I did go back to my parents, but at this point my parents couldn't help me out as much because, like I said, my other two siblings were at university as well. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to, like, bare minimum on everything, you know, cup budget. And um, 
I just had to trust God. And I remember most of my prayers was like, God, I want to trust you. I don't really trust you right now because what I have around me doesn't look like you're going to provide for me. But I really, really want to trust you. I don't know how this is going to look. But if you're going to make it work somehow, it's not going to be the way I see it. And needless to say, God didn't bring my yellow card 13 months early. No, my, it, it took 13 months for it to arrive, in which I had no income. But I still, to this day, don't remember how we managed to get by. I had everything that I needed. My rent was paid every month. I never went without. I had to get my buses to go to college and back. And it was amazing. Miraculously, everything turned out amazing. And I remember thinking, how is this happening? I remember one time, Matthew was, um, I don't know, I needed some money for something. I was like, oh, I've got some extra. And then months after, I was like, where did I have extra? I shouldn't have extra. It, and it's just amazing. And since then, I, I, I'm not saying that I never worry about money, because I went through that. But I am definitely know that God is my provider. He is my provider. And I'm like, he managed to do that. And then when my yellow card arrived, it was great. Um, I was earning. But those 13 months were hard, yes. And what people said was true. God provided for me. He made a way. I came out much stronger. I know that he's now my provider, which I didn't know before. And sometimes you kind of have to learn through going through this, you know. Those prayers didn't change anything in particular. They didn't magically give me some faith or they didn't magically make my yellow card appear, but they made me like just carry on and I had to carry on. And my faith wasn't grown because one day I was worried and then I prayed. My faith was grown in God is my provider because of the 13 months of, okay, I'm really worried about this. And then God came through and, and it's just amazing how God works. Um, um, oh, yeah, in the meantime of the 13 months, Matthew and I got engaged and we were planning a wedding. I don't know how we started planning a wedding with no income, but we managed to get married, and it was all amazing, and God had it all. Um, God is definitely my provider, and I know it, and I'll tell anyone that listens. Um, I started being in discipleship kind of uh, relationship with Adam and Faye. I was also seeing Phil quite a bit. Sometimes I would go to Phil's house once a week for tea, which was lovely. I had someone to like. And I also got, I was seeing Adam and Faye once a week. And um, I enjoyed that, the idea of talking. Imagine growing up in a family of seven. You would never really be listened to much. So being here and being able to be listened to, that was quite, it was really nice for me. But it, I don't think to start with was very too much depth. Like, he was just talking about my issues, like the yellow card, or I'm feeling a bit sad today, or I'm feeling... Um, but I remember one time, Paul, um, he said you, about being honest and giving the whole true truth, because if you give half of the truth, you'll get half the answer. Um, so one time when I was with the two of them chatting, Adam and Faye, I was reminded of those words, and um, I remember I shared something with them that I never thought I'd share with anyone, ever. At this point, I kind of knew that I had to tell them, but I was convinced that they would completely change their mind about me, they'd stop loving me, and then I was like, but I was bracing myself for that. I was like, it's fine. If this is what happens, 
It's fine, because I know this is a horrible thing and people should not say this out loud. Um, so I, I shared with them and we prayed and, and it was amazing. They prayed with me and I was like, oh, I went home and I was like, okay, that went pretty well, but this is probably gonna be different from now on. Like, I don't think they'll, they'll like me as much. Um, but of course, none of that happened and they loved me the same, probably more. And their opinion of me did not change at all. And they stuck by me, and they accepted me. And they made me... My makeup is perfect. <laughs> there we go. Laughter. Oh. And they made me understand that I wasn't a horrible person. That it wasn't even my fault what happened. And they helped me so amazingly through it that ever since, I don't think there's been anything in my life that I don't share with them. Matthew and I, we call them the council. <laughs> We're like, oh, well, let's talk to the council. But there is nothing that I don't share with them now because I'm like, if they manage to listen to that, help me through it, and love me probably more, then there's nothing that they can't hear. <laughs> there's nothing that they can't, like, you know, there's nothing that's going to... And there was, for me personally, because my um, image of God was not, I don't know, I was like, God is somewhere up there, you know, but I know he's not now, but it was this idea of he's somewhere up there. He does listen, but it wasn't like I didn't have a relationship, like a linear relationship. It was more like, oh, yeah, somewhere up there. Listens to me sometimes, doesn't listen to me. And, but the way they loved me and everyone else, I'm, I'm talking about them in particular, but there's so many people that I could mention. It showed me that that's how God loves me, and that's how God loves all of us. I was like, God knows all those things, wants to hear them from me, and wants to love me and restore me at the end of them. It's not so, and if they love me, just a little percentage of how God loves me and how his love for me is, then he must love me. God must love me, flip it louds. And I went on this journey in understanding how much God loves me, because I, wasn't, I didn't know before. I didn't know how loved I was because a lot of times I would be so worried that God is upset with me. Um, so the journey was God is my provider and now I knew that God loves me and more and more. And I'm still learning. I still have to know even more that he loves me. But this is kind of the journey of I know God loves me. God is my provider. Um, to finish off, I want to kind of you know, I kind of put here, the choices I made to be here even when things were really tough at home back in Romania. And I was really enjoying, and I am really enjoying my time here. Um, and I had friends, a fiancé that loved me, a wedding to plan. You know, it, life was great. But things back home and my family life were not always easy. My, my family has gone through a lot of hard times while I was here in England, finding myself. Um, which was not always easy for me, and I was like, I'm here, and I'm having a good time, and they're not. And I came to England in the midst of my parents' divorce, and I came here when my younger sister went through a really tough time at the time. You know, she found my parents' divorce the hardest, and I wasn't there to comfort and support her. My brother left school and got himself in a bit of a bad crowd, and the list could go on and on about issues, because. You all know that you all have them, you know, life happens and things happen. Um, and it was a time, a struggle of being here and not just leave it all behind and move back home. I was like, I can, you know, I can help my mom with this and I can do this and I can do that. Um, 
I also found it hard at times to be here because I really miss being in my home country and I really miss being with my friends and family that I grew up. Um, I missed speaking Romanian every time I wanted to. When you are away from your country and you don't hear your language for so long, when every time I go to Romania and I'm in the airport, I'm like, speak Romanian to me. And people at the airport look at me like, I'm like, never mind, you don't get it. But yeah, so all these things were on my mind a lot. Um, you know, I felt guilty for being here. I felt um, upset. I felt upset to not, you know, I see my family once a year, if that. Uh, that's not always easy. So, but I knew my pool was here. I knew that I felt drawn to Bradford, <laughs> of all places. And I had to overcome all those things. I had to overcome some hard battles in my mind. I had to overcome of what I, how I wanted, how I thought things should go. I had to trust God that he knows best, to trust him that he knows all the situation with my family and he loves them and he's got them. And again, it had to come to, to me trusting God when I didn't know how things would look. I didn't know how things would turn out. And the journey so far has been long and I'm sure there's still a long way to go. But looking back, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. But in the midst of it, it can feel like, where is God and all his plans? What am I doing this for? What happened? Um, I would like to say that now I'm completely trustworthy and full of faith and never worry about money, but it's still a journey. It's still a journey that I'm going on, and I'm learning more and more every day. And everything that I have learned, yes, I'm very grateful to God, but I'm so grateful to everyone around me, you know, Phil met me when I was just an eight-year-old, and he saw something. I'm not really sure what he saw, but he saw something. And that summer, he came just to meet my parents in 30 degrees and drove and, and with a car with no air conditioning and believed in me and wanted to bring me here. And um, I remember people saying, oh, Phil told us about this girl that's going to come. And when people told me about how he would talk of me. I'm like, someone that's not my family and knows me very well talks so highly of me. Um, and then Phil took care of me when I came here and gave me a place and gave me, and then when I started teaching maths a few years ago, he was always there. He would come and sit at the back of my classrooms and be like, yes, well done, you can do this. Even though when I had no idea what I was doing. People around me, literally every single person in this church, it's a piece of my journey and a piece of my puzzle and the person that I am now, you know. And there are still lots of battles going on, you know. The season that Matthew and I are in now, it's a season again of trusting God and letting go of how I want things to happen even more. In the midst of all this, you feel, some, in the midst of each one of them, you think, oh, this time is a biggie. This is a big one. I really don't know how God is going to do. I get it how he did it before, but this one, I really don't know how it's going to happen. But actually, we're all there. And we can all look back and be like, yes, he's done it for all these times. But So this is where I'm now. I'm still, got loads to learn. I still got loads of faith to grow. I'm still feeling overwhelmed at times with thoughts and worries. But I do know that God will never leave me. I have this peace right now that no matter how things turn out, that God loves me and he wants the best for me. And I am a bit frustrated at times, 
that the best for me doesn't always align with my perfectly organized plan. But Faye gave me this picture a few months ago of um, when you take a picture with your phone, with an iPhone, it's just a little snapshot, isn't it? But you could be in the midst of an amazing view, but what you take with the picture is just a little rectangle. But sometimes you can take like a panoramic view um, with the iPhone, or you can just, or you can just look out of <laughs> your phone. But she explained to me that sometimes it's the same with God. It's not that God has a completely different plan from you, or he, he says, oh no, what you're thinking is bad, put that on the side. But it's more like, okay, this is what you think, and you don't see what's the left and right and up and down, but I can't see it, and it's so much better. How many times have you been out for an amazing walk, or you've seen the moon, and you try to take a picture of it, and you're like, the picture does not do it justice whatsoever. And a lot of times, I look at things, and it's just the picture. And God is like, it doesn't do it justice, darling. What I have for you is so much more amazing. And there are times when I just want to hold on to the picture. And I'm like, no, don't look at it. It's so beautiful. And God is like, yes, it's, I'm not saying it's not. But I want to give you even more. So where I am now, this is where I'm at. Um, when I have to take big decisions now, which I have to all the time, I don't really think which is the right decision and which is the wrong decision, but more like which one will stretch my faith, which will help me trust God more, which will bring me more life. When I do that, God will always bless it. And of course, that sometimes means that is a scary and an unknown route, but also the growth one. So this is where my, my journey is. You know, when I think of decisions, what job should I do, what should I do, this is where I think. And there will always be someone around me that knows something about it, that has been through it, and that I can learn from. And that's why I am so grateful for all my CLC and all my BCS family for loving me and supporting me. I have so many people around me that I can ask for help and prayer whenever I need. You know, there are literally at least 10 people that I can quickly text any time of the day. And I know they'll be praying. Even through these times now, I think, okay, who around me has been through something similar and who can help me? Who can be there for me? Which, it's amazing. And I'd like to say that I think there's a lot of people that have that, but I don't think there is. And I need to remember how blessed I am to have all these. And you all need to think that you all have that as well. If I have it, a tiny young girl from Romania, then everyone else can have it because it's just at your disposal, just as it was for me. So thank you for listening to my life story. I'll see you 25 years from now with the update. <laughs> um, oh, it's so warm. Uh, thank you. You all have to be able to do the same. You all have to be able to do the same. You realize what she did. She told you a story, but in between, I did what God had done, what she'd learned, what she'd seen, how blessed she was. And if you can learn to do that, it's not how to talk to people. It's not how to bring Jesus into it. And I, Anka said to me today, she went, why am I teaching when you and Paul are here? And I said, well, A, because we enjoy just sitting down and listening, but B, because I've cast the heart of this house, as you all know. And I loved it. So Paul and I are both here and fair. And we all sat down, and then Naomi did this, and you did this, and I love it. Because we're meant to be about releasing everybody to do it. 
and it's a delight to be able to just sit and allow people to do it. So well done, Anchor. I'd like to say the next 25 years will be easier, but they might not be. But they'll be more wonderful, and God will do more beautiful things. That's the truth. <laughs>